Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome back to Leader Manager Coach. My name is Rob Riles and Leader Manager Coach is a weekly podcast specifically for anybody who's has an interest in leading, managing and coaching in football or leading in any other area of life, specifically sport, but any other area of life where you're a person of influence, you're a coach, you're a leader, you have players, people, athletes under your jurisdiction who look up to you and where you're in a position of influence. So in today's program of Leader, Manager, Coach, I want to take the discussion on from specifically Bill Shankly, who, as I talked about in a previous podcast, is one of my all-time great heroes, onto a further discussion about football managers, specifically for football managers. And this is related to a film called The Football Man, which was produced around 2011, I believe 2010, 2011. And it was produced in four parts and it's still available. Um, You can see it on YouTube. I believe it was aired on the BBC and a phenomenal, phenomenal series, a phenomenal program if you're interested in football, um, you're interested in management. Um, Such insights just inspired me um, again so much and it produced or certainly facilitated by a a very, very famous football correspondent, again, um, another Scotsman, Hugh McElvenny, a very famous journalist who's produced masses and masses and masses of work over decades on sports, specifically football, but also horse racing and boxing. And a gentleman who is so worth listening to and whose words are so, so worth reading. Now, he produced or was responsible greatly for this film called The Football Men, which focused on four great, great football managers who happen to be Scottish. Now, I make no apologies for talking about this. I'm an Englishman. I have an awful, awful amount of respect for Scotland, for Scottish sport, for Scotland as a country. I absolutely love Scotland. I think it's it's amazing. I'm one of those few few English people who um, admire the Scots, and I make no bones about that. So uh, if that creates an issue for any of my fellow Anglos, well, so be it. But he talks about four specific football managers, and he talks about Bill Shankly. He talks about Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, he talks about Samat Busby and he talks about the late great Jockstein. Now, all the guys happen to be and, and happen to be Scottish, obviously, um, and Hugh himself is obviously a Scotsman, so maybe there's a little bit of affinity there, and that was part of the a big part of the reason that um, he felt that he needed to needed to create this piece of work. But let's let's just look a little bit deeper. What one of the major the major things the major features of this is is that. Um, for three of them, for certainly for for Shankly, for Jock Steen, and Samat, 
they were all born within a stone's throw of each other. Um, I'm, I'm probably exaggerating when I say a stone's throw, but they were all born very closely to each other. And they all came from what would be termed mining backgrounds. So um, their families were heavily involved in the culture, the working class culture of the coal mines. And that for Hugh was a real, real strand that, that ran through them and was one of the reasons why he believes that they became so successful. Now, Fergie, who obviously was a, a dad in all Glaswegian, was not involved in, in coal mining per se, but was involved in the shipyards, which has um, many, many parallels to the coal mining industry being a very, very, very heavy industry and one with great socialist principles and one with with the great socialist history which um, Sir Alex makes no bones about that he was heavily involved in during his time working in the shipyards. So the four of these guys who became such giants within the football industry in terms of management, in terms of coaching, in, in terms of creating success, all came from this real similar working class socialist heavy industry background that, that had a reliance upon community and reliance upon support and reliance upon an ability to survive, if you like, and create success from difficult circumstances. And in the in the film, and also, by the way, documented in a great book called The Management, uh, written by Michael Grant and Rob Robertson, which goes on to describe many of Scotland's great football bosses. And in a specific chapter in this book, A real, real good read. Um, The chapter's entitled The Four Kings and Grant and Robertson go on to describe these four managers, Shanks, Fergie, Jock and Samat in some detail and again talk about the strands that that link them together and an analysis of why, why he believes or why they believe that these four managers achieve such amazing success. But for me, it's worthwhile of a podcast to discuss these kind of things because one of the things that I believe has, has run through great managers is is the question that we often ask is, what is it that is one of the common denominators or a common denominator of why somebody is a, is a real successful manager? Because as we all know, great players do not necessarily make great managers. In fact... The reverse is often true, that the greatest players certainly don't appear to go on and become the best coaches, whereas many, many, many of the great coaches, great managers and great leaders of the game are people who weren't necessarily the best players. And we can't use that as a blanket description and a perfect cause and effect relationship. But um, I think you understand what it is that uh, I'm trying to say. Now, Samat created at Manchester United just one of the greatest football clubs that that the world has ever known. And that success that he was part of in the early days is something that's lived on. And as we all know, very, very tragically, in 1958, Manchester United suffered losses in a tragic aeroplane crash in a Munich adverse weather situation that was enough to 
almost put any football club out of business. But from from the ashes of that, from an almost impossible situation, Samat, who almost lost his life, along with some great players, among them the the phenomenon who was Duncan Edwards, again, who having gone through this again, I feel is worthy of a, another discussion in a podcast. Um, Samat rebuilt Manchester United. Um, certainly not alone, but was responsible for rebuilding Manchester United and reached, you know, an early high point of, of winning the European Cup in 1968 with the uh, that amazing team with Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law and George Best from the ashes of, of a Munich air disaster and created a legacy that's lived on and has been taken forward by great managers since. And, you know, if we look back, you can see that Samat was from that culture of hard-working Scotsmen, Scots people who put hard work probably above and beyond most other things and created success out of that dire and, and, and durability to, to focus on getting the job done under whatever circumstances prevailed. And created something that was just a phenomenon and still continues to be that whether or not you're a Manchester United supporter or not there's no doubting that Manchester United are one of the if not the most successful football clubs in in the world certainly financially along with Real Madrid moving on from there to Jock Steen Jock who won the the European Cup with Celtic with a team of people with a team of players who all came from the local area. I mean, it's almost beyond belief today to have this, imagine that you can get a city and get a squad of players, not 25 players, not 18 players, but 12 or 13 players who all come from your own city within the boundaries of that city and play for your club and can go on and conquer Europe. But that's what was achieved with Jock Steen in charge. And, you know, Jock's story is one full of adversity. Um, he suffered great adversity socially in a, in a mining environment whereby he was ousted by his colleagues because of the great religious divide in, in Glasgow and in Scotland of Protestants and Catholics, which had an affinity with football and Rangers and Celtic. And Jock came from a a Protestant background and, and came from a, and worked in a group of people who believed in, in, in the Protestant way and, and, and were died in all Rangers supporters and then went on to work for Celtic and create that enormous success with Celtic. And that was something that Jock had to deal with. And I don't think many people can, can really understand unless you're in that situation, what kind of of strength that would take. As we know, Jock sadly passed away after after suffering a heart attack in a Scotland-Wales World Cup qualifier. I mean, that that is, anybody who can remember that, that that's one of the poignant, poignant and, and sad moments that I can remember as, as a young, young person watching a football match when it, it was obvious that Jock had suffered a heart attack after the Scotland-Wales World Cup qualifier at Ninian Park and never recovered 
but Jock was a great, and anybody who knew, who knew Jock, and I certainly didn't, but I've, I've read plenty about him, said that Jock had one of the, the greatest football brains that, that anybody had ever come across. And not only football intelligence, but he, he was considered to be a giant in intellectual terms and could suss things out and could work things out and, and could analyse things that many, many people hadn't got the ability to do. And yet he was a humble man who was a football man and lived and worked and came from a mining background and had, had experienced that, that kind of thing. And again, went on to achieve great success in the world of football. And in a previous podcast, we've talked at length about the, again, the late, great Bill Shankly, who came from working socialist background in, in, a, in a little village called Glen Buck and played for the briefly for the cherry pickers and went on to have a career in, in football that had great adversity thrown at it because of the the war that stopped Bill's career and frustrated him. And he channeled, if you want to look at it that way, all his energies and his knowledge and, and his desires into into leadership and management and went on and, you know, had his career with Carlisle and Workington and Grimsby and Huddersfield and then on to onto Anfield and Liverpool and, and created what he did at Liverpool with the great the great Liverpool teams of the the late 60s and, and 1970s. And Bill, as we know, talked constantly about belief and about character and about hard work and ethics and, and, and working together and being a good person and doing the right thing. And again, came from that hardworking background of, of people who worked in the coal mines and, and had to support each other and had to get on with things and had to be durable and just repeated those things day after day. And then again in the film and, and again in, in Grant and Robertson's book of the Four Kings, the chapter on the Four Kings, there's Sir Alex who, you know, reportedly, and I'm sure it's true, used to play recordings of Bill Shankly to his Aberdeen team on the bus and was, again, a, a died in the wool hard-working, working-class socialist believer who believed in those kind of ethics and created teams on the back of that. Obviously had a had a working relationship with Jock Steen and went on to become one of, if not the most successful football managers that this country's ever, ever known with a, a longevity at Manchester United that may never be, never be surpassed. But we all know of the great success that Sir Alex achieved at Manchester United with European Cups and, and Premier League titles. Just phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal success and created team after team after team and had the strength to dismantle teams and, and you know, the, the, the strength to move on from situations and have difficult conversations and put the club before a player. Whether, you, you know, we all agree or disagree with people's management styles and how people went about things, there's no doubt about it. The, the success that Sir Alex achieved is there for all to see. So there we have these four phenomenal leaders, all Scottish, all from a very, very small geographical area in Scotland, all from working class backgrounds with high socialist values of hard work and graft and community and durability. All suffered adversity. You know, uh, Sir Alex um, was never a great player and never had amazing success as a player. 
was a hard worker, but um, his success was in management, not in his, his coaching, which is all these guys, it's virtually the same. Um, Jock, the same. You know, he, he left Celtic or left Scotland and went to Wales um, when he first started coaching and then eventually came back to Celtic, you know, and his career was going absolutely nowhere when he went down to Wales to manage. And, you know, Sir Alex's career as a player was going nowhere and, and, and Shanks at certain times in his career as a manager with working, turning Grimsby Town was, was certainly going nowhere and suffered great, great adversity. And again, Sir Matt, you know, going into adversity about Sir Matt, no, you know, I don't think we need to do that really. Obviously, you know, you suffer a, a plane crash where you're almost injured to a point of, of your own loss of life and you lose many of your colleagues you know, it doesn't need any any extrapolation, really. But you see, you've got all these four four men who suffered great adversities and went on to become kings in their own fields and achieved great successes with many, many similar strands running through them. And the five strands that I see running through these guys, and when you listen to them and you, you can get lots of footage on YouTube and you can read all about them, and it's phenomenal stuff, are obsession. Number one, they were obsessed. They were all obsessed with football. The stories about Jock and Sir Alex and, and certainly Shanks and, and Sir Matt just being obsessed by football, talking about it all the time and being up till two and three o'clock in the morning and certainly with Shanks sitting in his own kitchen and the stories about, you know, him moving his pepper pots about and, and his little notebooks and, and just being obsessed by the game. So it's that focus and obsession. They were all great men of character. And if you take them out of the football world and put them, and looked at them, if you like, look at look at them away from football in their own other environments, whether that's coal mining or whether that's the shipbuilding industry. Or certainly if you put them in another industry, I'm sure you would see men of great character who would rise to the top and be men of influence anyway. So they had great characters and they developed those characters themselves. And they stood up for what they believed in. They talked what they believed in and they spoke what they believed in. And they forged these great characters. They all believed in the collective. They all believed in the team effort. You know, Shanks is famous for keeping his backroom team and just not being interested in backbiting and, and, and silly stories, but on about, goes on about the collective and how people must work together and the supporters and the club and the players. And it's all about the collective. And um, Fergie was all, all about that with you know, getting rid of players who became bigger than the club. And we know those are household names that he was prepared to sacrifice for the good of the club. And belief, I think, if we look at all these four men and analyse them, another characteristic that runs through them is, is absolute indomitable self-belief. They all believed in what they were doing. They all believed that what they were doing was correct, was right, was the way to do it and would achieve success. And ultimately, the history tells us that that was so. Now, they all might not have gone about it exactly the same way, but it's having that self-belief. And that's a great lesson that we can all take from these people. And the last one for me is the adversity one. And they all suffered adversity in one form or another. Some of it physical, some of it health risks, some of it career. Every one of them suffered adversity and rose past that and use that as a way of growth to create 
the success that they went on to achieve. So I think all these four guys are great examples of what can be achieved. They're all great examples of, of how we can all go about our business with an endeavor and a work ethic and a self-belief and a focus that will ultimately achieve success if it's continued and if we focus on the right things. Great learning, great content. And, you know, I can't, I can't encourage you enough to take the time to go and have a look at Hugh McElvenny's great work, The Football Men, and um, again, have a look at Grant and Robertson's book, The Management. I'm Rob Riles. Um, this is Leader, Manager, Coach. Always appreciative of your time. Thanks for listening and look forward to catching up with you again soon.